You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. The sudden cancellation of a high profile fishing derby is putting a Tofino resort and its owners in the spotlight. It is partly owned by two former Vancouver Canucks. And as Kylie Stanton reports, there are many questions about what the resort itself has called highly inappropriate behavior. People come from all over, hoping to cap off the season with a big catch. But this year's Race for the Blue tournament, hosted by the Tofino Resort and Marina, has been cut short. A statement posted to the resort's website says, we are extremely upset to hear about highly inappropriate behavior connected to one of our annual events. Our first concern is for our staff, and we are responding to the needs of those affected. The resort is partly owned by former Vancouver Canucks Willie Mitchell and Dan Hamhuse, who bought it back in 2016, bringing developer Andrew Purdy on board to transform the property. On the coast of British Columbia, marinas with a restaurant, pub, all that is always a community staple. It's like our culture, it's our blood. That restaurant, 1909 Kitchen and Hatch, has now temporarily closed until Sunday. On social media, it announced the cancellation of all musical acts on the schedule. Mitchell's personal Instagram account, which he had used to share photos of him fishing and out on the water, is no longer available. The two-time Stanley Cup champion could not be reached for comment. A spokesperson for the Island District RCMP refused to answer any questions, citing privacy, only saying at this time the RCMP can't confirm or deny whether or not there is an investigation. It is only when someone is charged that we can confirm our involvement. In the meantime, the resort says it has brought in an interim manager and independent counsellor as it continues to take steps to ensure the well-being of the team. Kylie Stanton, Global News. A shooting in Surrey has left a 35-year-old man with serious injuries. There were more than 35 police vehicles on a residential street in the 5800 block of Angus Place this morning. Investigators spent most of the day searching the area for more evidence. Surrey RCMP are asking for anyone with dash cam or CCTV footage of the incident to come forward. The victim was rushed to hospital. His injuries not considered life-threatening. Vancouver police are investigating a hit and run that left one man with what could be life-altering injuries. Officers are asking for your help to find the vehicle and identify the suspect. The victim, a middle-aged man, was crossing Clark Drive at Grant Street last night. And based on pieces of the car recovered at the scene, including the side view mirror, investigators say he was struck by a black 2011 to 2015 Kia Optima. The victim is still in intensive care with head and other injuries. Anyone with information is asked to come forward and speak to police. A criminal investigation is underway along with a police act investigation following a bizarre weekend trip involving a number of off-duty Vancouver police officers. Catherine Urquhart has the details. About three weeks ago, a group of VPD officers gathered for a weekend getaway in Agassiz. But midway through that trip, something went terribly wrong. One member allegedly left, driving impaired and rolling his vehicle down an embankment. Then that member walked back to where his colleagues were and allegedly threatened them with a knife, prompting a call to 911. Sources say that before the Mounties attended, 
two VPD sergeants arrived on scene and took the officer into their care. The RCMP told Global News their members responded to a complaint of impaired driving on the morning of August 20th in the Hemlock Valley area. During the course of this investigation, further allegations of criminal offenses surfaced and are actively being investigated by the Agassiz RCMP. We know that the officer at the center of this was previously involved in a shooting and had been placed on desk duty. VPD won't comment on his fitness for the job, saying officers who experience traumatic events and workplace stress receive peer support and professional psychological support through the VPD. We have other health and wellness initiatives, including police facility dogs, athletic therapy programs, and critical incident stress management teams. The Office of the Police Complaint Commissioner refused to comment. Their investigation is now on hold pending the outcome of the criminal investigation. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. July was another deadly month in B.C.'s toxic drug health emergency. 192 people lost their lives to toxic substances, according to the B.C. Coroner Service. That's a 31% increase over the number of deaths in June. Nearly 1,300 people have died due to toxic drugs in this province since the start of the year. The largest number of deaths occurred in the Fraser and Vancouver Coastal Health regions. Nearly 6 in 10 deaths occurred inside private homes. And here's a look at our weekly COVID-19 numbers. There are 314 people in hospital. 23 of those patients are in the ICU. 16 more people have died, and we have 574 new confirmed cases in the past week. Elections BC is investigating allegations. A major environmental organization broke election laws in connection with ongoing, the ongoing NDP leadership race. The concerns are about the role Dogwood BC has been playing in Anjali Apatari's campaign. Richard Zussman joins us now live from the Union of BC Municipalities meeting in Whistler. So Richard, start with describing these allegations. Yeah, Chris, this has been the number one issue that people are talking about here as almost every NDP MLA is here in Whistler and there are concerns about the way in which memberships have been acquired for the NDP and the way in which Dogwood has been advertising and it's not just an issue for the party, it could be an issue for the entire province. It's a leadership race with the province's biggest prize in line, a job as BC's Premier. It's important that the party takes the allegations really seriously, and I know in elections BC are also involved now, um, that their integrity of the process is protected, and I trust the party in elections BC to do the work. The BC NDP leadership race has two candidates, Anjalia Pitarai and David Eby. Elections BC now investigating the role Dogwood BC is playing in a Pitarai's campaign and whether it followed fundraising rules. We understand ourselves to be in compliance. So as a third party, again, we are communicating not with the general public. We're not advertising uh, to um, random members of the BC public. We are talking to people who have opted in. The party also and investigating. I can say that we are prepared to hammer our entire BC list. There are concerns about the role Dogwood played in signing up members. The only people eligible to vote for the leader are those who paid for a BC NDP membership before the September 4th cutoff. 
there's always been some skullduggery around leadership because the consequences are Im important, right? Especially when uh, you know the, the party choosing its new leader is the party in power. The Election Act does not contain rules about third party advertising, but there are rules about donations and time spent working for a campaign could be considered a donation. It's unclear how long the investigation will take the party with an October 4th cutoff for candidates fast approaching. I sure feel like the old boys club and the NDP is doing everything they can to try and jam her out of the race and create an easy path for David Eby. I don't think it's right. Reporter Eye is also under investigation linked to a video Global News obtained showing a supporter offering to buy memberships for other people, something against the rules. Message me if you need the $10 because I'm happy to provide that for you. All of this leading to questions about whether party leadership races, especially with stakes this high, need to be done a different way. They sort of are jealously guarding a little bit of, of their control. Uh, but as you point out, it also means that it, they, they take a risk. They don't have a neutral arbiter uh, to decide something. So if it looks like the fix is in and you have an outsider candidate come in, then that outsider candidate gets accused of, of breaking the rules. It just looks like the party's protecting itself. All right, Richard, we mentioned you're at the UBCM. Premier John Horgan is due to speak there tomorrow. Any chance he weighs in on the leadership race? This will be his last speech at UBCM as Premier, Chris, and no doubt he will be asked about this in the scrum afterward, and no doubt he would much prefer talk about something else. He doesn't want to spend the last few months of the job talking about how there are questions about who will replace him, but we'll have to wait until tomorrow around 11.30 to hear exactly what he has to say about how this is unfolding and what it will look like for the party as they sort through this mess. Interested to hear his comments for sure. Thanks very much. That's <laughs> yeah. yeah, Richard Zussman reporting in Whistler. And for more, we're going to bring in our Legislative Bureau Chief, Keith Baldry. Um, Keith, how serious is this allegation? Oh, it's becoming more serious by the day, uh, Chris. This is a problem for the NDP. I can detect a rising level of nervousness over this situation. A number of key people in the NDP I've talked to, both MLAs, ministers, and party officials, have likened this candidacy and the involvement of this environmental organization to a hostile takeover of the party by outside interests. I don't know how this is going to play out. And it'll be also interesting, if she does win this, it's, be curious how it would actually function. She would not be an MLA. She would not be a member of the caucus, not clear how it would function as a party leader. We've never been in a, in a situation like this before, uh, and it's going to be interesting how it plays out. But I think there's a lot of people in the upper echelons of the party who want David a Eby to be the leader and would like to see something done to her candidacy. Not sure how it's going to end, but it's probably going to get a little uglier before it ends. Mm. Worth watching for sure. Thanks a lot, Keith. All right, to municipal politics now, and the clock is ticking on a Vancouver civic election controversy over what names will appear on the ballots. Several candidates want to use two names, and the issue is now before the courts, with the ballots set to be finalized by tomorrow afternoon. As Amadagahi reports, some say this is a matter of inclusion. With Vancouver's municipal election now only one month away, the latest headline-making controversy surrounding it has nothing to do with new policies or ideas on how to make the city better. Instead, this election scandal has taken candidates across three parties away from the campaign trail and into provincial court. It has been thrown out on the issues of diversity of our city. It's, uh, it's, it seems to be unconstitutional. At issue is an application by Vancouver's chief 
Election Officer Rosemary Hagawara, asking a judge to rule that candidates must only have their names appear on the voting slip in English, after 15 had applied to have their names also appear in either Chinese or Farsi characters. I just thought it was really shocking and I was in total disbelief. While some candidates, like co-party Susie Ma, are fighting to use names given to them at birth. My parents gave me that name and my family uses that name. Other candidates, particularly some running under the MPA Vancouver banner, will have to prove they are equally justified to use a Chinese name on the voting slip, despite not being of Chinese origin. A lot of people from China or from, from the uh, Cantonese-speaking communities in Vancouver or from the Mandarin-speaking communities in Vancouver, they can't read the name Fred Harding, but they can read my uh, Chinese name, Fuaida, so it makes perfect sense that it's in, in that language. The party now not only fighting the application in court, but also being accused of cultural appropriation by opposing party Vision Vancouver, who wrote on Facebook, the MPA is gaming the system. On my campaign posters, I have the name Arzu Zarabian in Farsi, phonetics, and also the Chinese name that's been given to me by Chinese community members within Vancouver. It's unknown if a decision will be reached in court before Friday's deadline to finalize ballots. The city of Vancouver and its chief election officer for a second day declining interview. In Maragahi, Global News. Hundreds of thousands are taking part in history, filing past the Queen's casket in a line that's several kilometers long. But a new poll shows that's a level of commitment not every Canadian has. The results of a new poll showing how we really feel. Next. Saving green spaces, the $100 million donation from Lululemon founder Chip Wilson and his wife Summer coming up. I am the most handsome man in all of pro wrestling. The low-budget beauty of Vancouver's Boom Wrestling, a very unusual night of entertainment, coming up later as well. Right now, though, new details have been released for the Queen's funeral on Monday. The state gun carriage carrying the Queen's coffin will leave Westminster Hall for Westminster Abbey and the funeral service, which gets underway at 3 a.m. Pacific time. The king and members of the royal family will follow the coffin during the procession. After the funeral service, events move to Windsor Castle, where a smaller service will take place at St. George's Chapel. Then a private service for the queen's close family will be held. After that, the queen's coffin will be laid in the royal vault at St. George's beside her husband, the late Duke of Edinburgh, who died in April of 2021. And we will have live coverage for you starting at 5 a.m. Eastern. That's 2 a.m. Pacific right here on Global Television, globalnews.ca, and our other streaming platforms. In the meantime, a new poll suggests the majority of Canadians say the death of the Queen has had no impact on them. As Paul Johnson reports, the interest in the monarchy appears to wane among younger respondents. A week into the story from the UK, with so many enthralled with every detail of the royal succession ritual, it would appear the British monarchy's hold on our collective attention is as strong as ever. But that might be misleading. Are you currently in mourning for the death of Queen Elizabeth II? No, I'm not. Just figureheads, just for the tourists. That's it, nowadays. Though views like that would appear out of sync with what we've been hearing from London, a 
recent poll found that's actually the majority opinion among Canadians. And it's likely growing with each passing year. We've seen over a 30-year period, which is how long I've been in the polling business, a steady erosion. And that's, it's really simple when you look at the breakdown by age. In a recent poll of Canadians by Steve Mossop's firm Leger, 22% said the Queen's passing had some degree of impact on them. But 74% said it had no impact. And demographic trends don't appear to offer much to royalists. Only 12% of 18 to 34-year-olds still follow the monarchy. And it's something like a 32%, 34% for over 55 plus. So if reverence for the monarchy is strongest among the old, will the future see a new debate about Canada's official relationship with the Windsor family? Do you think in the bigger picture that the monarchy of the UK has a lot of relevance in Canada today? Not as much as, no. You know, I think we should be uh, separating ourselves. But assuming that Canada is on the cusp of some kind of Republican revolt would also be a misjudgment. Mossop says that while 20-odd percent support is a minority, it's likely enough to keep the traditional arrangement going for the near-term future. Paul Johnson, Global News. Up next, a B.C. family facing a huge challenge. We will do anything for him. Caring for their boy requires some heavy lifting, and they need your help. And the results are in. A study of the new parking rules at Bunsen Lake gives a hint at whether it worked or not. Good evening. Traffic is in good shape both ways across the Patello Bridge right now. With just a little bit of slow volume southbound down McBride through the Queen's Park stretch. At BCAA, we are over 1 million members strong and moving you forward through the power of membership. Join the movement today at BCAA.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Patello Bridge. And Osuyo's family says a gap in provincial funding is forcing them to raise thousands of dollars on their own to care for their disabled son. As Global's Taya Fast reports, the family is in desperate need of home and vehicle modifications in order to keep raising him at home. There. That's better. Fighting for their son Callum has become a way of life for Leanne Scott and Dale Fuhrer. He is a thousand percent worth it. He, he, we will do anything for him. Callum, now 12 years old, was born with a rare genetic disorder called Pura syndrome and needs round the clock care. Callum is wheelchair bound. He cannot stand or walk. Um, he is diapered, so that means he needs 24 hour continent care. Um, he is nonverbal. The family relocated to a Soyuz and the pair became neuromovement practitioners in order to better care for their son. It was a ginormous event. But it was not a sacrifice. It's changed Callum's, the trajectory of Callum's life has improved greatly. But as Callum grows, so does the need for new equipment. We have been able to, up until this point, care for Callum, lift him in and out of the beds, lift him off the floor, and um, he will, um, he's getting difficult to care for on a daily basis. 
Without the equipment, the alternative is group home housing, which the family says is unimaginable. For him to stay with his parents, all children should be able to. He's a 12-year-old little boy. He shouldn't have to go into care. However, the couple says the province won't fund the needed equipment. You know, as we started going down this path of, of discovering what equipment is covered uh, by our medical system and by the by government, per se, we realize there's some gaps. The family is now reaching out to the community in hopes to raise enough money to purchase in-home lifts and modify their vehicle and bathroom. It's an odd thing to ask for help for your son, for your family. You feel like you should be able to do it, but, and we will do it, but we need um, but it's what we've had to reach out for support because it's just not covered. The pair says even though their $300,000 goal is daunting, they won't stop until their son has his basic needs met. And then once that vision is very clear, then you will uh, perform in order to to help that thing, you know yeah. what I mean, so, or help that person. So far, over $20,000 has been donated to their GoFundMe page, and a local foundation has donated one piece of equipment. TFS Global News, a Soyuz. Standing in the middle of Stanley Park, Lululemon founder Chip Wilson and his wife Summer made an historic donation, one that's being called a game changer in the conservation movement in this country. It gives us incredible pleasure to announce today that we're donating $100 million to the BC Parks Foundation. Touted as the largest private donation in Canadian conservation history, the money will support the newly launched 25 by 25 campaign, which aims to ensure 25% of BC lands and waters are protected by 2025 in partnership with Indigenous people. Wilson says he hopes the donation will not only help the environment, but bring in more money for the foundation as well. Of course, we've given the money to BC Parks and said, you know, like, do whatever you want with it, but try to leverage it. I mean, if, if we jumped in because we could match funds, then would other people do it with our $100 million? And we're certainly hoping that we can bring all British Columbians into this and everyone be a part of it. The CEO of the BC Parks Foundation calls the donation rocket fuel to do really great things. The foundation is also announcing it's purchasing three more parcels of land for protection, preserving more than 300 hectares of pristine BC habitat. BC Hydro says its parking pilot at Bunsen Lake was a success this summer. People who wanted to visit the park in July and August needed to book a free parking pass online for a specific time frame. Hydro says the reservation system did reduce traffic congestion in neighboring Anmore. 82,000 online parking reservations were booked. About one-third of those didn't show up. Hydro says vehicle lineups at peak periods in 2022 were under 10% of peak lineup lengths in 2021. Plans for next summer are still being worked out. Still ahead, the life and death wait for an ambulance. Is this where we are at now, that, that we're supposed to load people in cars and taxis? Life-changing results from a failure of the system coming up next. Plus, still trying to get your steps in? What your Fitbit or Apple Watch isn't telling you about your fitness. From the stories we need to know, to a look at what's happening right now around us. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Connect. 
Counterflow is out over here at the Massey Tunnel, still a little bit busy for southbound traffic through Richmond on the approach from just north of Steveston. Through a charitable partnership between Kermac Cares for Kids and Surrey Memorial Hospital, when you choose Kermac Collision and Auto Glass, you also support the Surrey Memorial Children's Health Center. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Massey Tunnel. The family of a former New Westminster councillor is speaking out tonight with another horror story involving ambulance wait times. Lori Williams suffered a stroke last month and waited nearly two hours to get to the hospital despite living just a few minutes away. As Julie Nolan reports, she's now been left partially paralyzed. When you need an ambulance, you need an ambulance. A man in New Westminster is struggling to understand why an ambulance took so long to show up after his sister suffered a stroke on August 6th. That, that's the big question, you know, why, why did this take so long to happen? I know it's over an hour, and it was over two hours before she got to the Royal Columbian, and that's three blocks away from her home. Alan Greenwood says his sister, former New West City Councillor Lori Williams, is now suffering paralysis because that critical response time was slow, especially in the case of a stroke. They now wonder if they should have walked her to the Royal Columbian Hospital instead. One of the questions I have for them is, you know, what is higher priority than a stroke? You know, and, and if, if they don't have enough ambulances or people, then what are they doing about it? The chief ambulance officer for emergency health services admits the healthcare system is experiencing major stressors at the moment, but could not provide specifics to the case. Our heart goes out to the family and um, we would like to sit down and review the case with them. Um, we review all of our cases, any critical incidents, we do a full review. I can tell you at the time when this call came in, the call was coded as the lights and silence and the first available ambulance was dispatched. I've been an activist in, in lots of ways. Williams is known for her passion for public service, posing naked for a calendar as a municipal candidate and even officiating a wedding for dogs in 2009 as a provincial marriage commissioner. Once incredibly active in the community, Williams's brother says he's now very concerned for her future as she remains in hospital. Well, she's doing her best and she's trying to do physio there, but again, we just don't know what, what the next steps are. And Ironically, ambulances in B.C. have decals on the back of their ambulances reminding people of the crucial minutes after a stroke. Despite doing everything right on their end, Greenwood says he's lost faith in the health care system. Are they going to say what actually happened? I, I don't know. The family awaits any answers they can get. Julie Nolan, Global News. And in Health Matters tonight, some news for those of us who track our daily steps. New research out of Australia and Denmark suggests walking speed is more important than hitting 10,000 steps per day. The study looked at more than 78,000 adults with wearable trackers. Galis is checking his right now. A research, yeah. <laughs> researchers found a lower risk of dementia, heart disease, and cancer among those getting those 10,000 steps in. But they discovered that a faster walking pace showed more significant benefits than the number of steps achieved. And your count is? The numbers are pathetic. <laughs> they are pathetic. When you sit at a desk all day, less than 5,000. I'm going to have to move tonight. We need those treadmill desks. Yes, that would be good. <laughs> Put a request in. All right, coming up, making art on a different kind of canvas. <laughs> Boom, Vancouver comedians wrestling with a new way to tell stories and thrilling Vancouver audiences too. Also tonight, the grand prize winner gets a walkthrough of her new home. 
What makes it so special right after the weather? Some good news for a pair of wildfires hurting the air quality on the south coast. That's right, the Flood Falls Trail fire near Hope and the Heather Lake fire burning in the southeast corner of Manning Park are now both classified as being held. That means they're not expected to grow beyond their current boundaries. And as of tomorrow, they'll be removed from the provincial wildfires of note page. All evacuation orders and alerts around the fires have since been lifted. A sinkhole is prompting some road closures in the Marpole neighborhood of Vancouver. The city says a water main broke just after midnight at West 70th Avenue and Cornish Street. 70th is closed between Granville and Adira Streets, and Cornish is blocked off between 68th and 75th Avenues. Crews are working on repairs, but it's not known when they will be finished. The cause of the break is still under investigation. Artificially wet roads last night. Naturally wet roads for a lot of regions today with uh, some of those showers moving through, Christy. Yeah, so we were anticipating sprinkles, but yeah, today was definitely more like showers or rain at times. So more moisture, but that was really a bonus, really, in terms of helping the air quality across the region, helping the two fires, as you just mentioned, uh, in through the Hudson or the Hope region. Um, so all air quality advisories have now ended across southern BC. It's still in place in through the BC Peace River area. And I do have some good news for that area. It has been incredibly tough, the smoke and the fire in through that region. But I'll show you that in a second. First, though, uh, the domain or the range of this computer model only extends as far as Revelstoke. So it's not clear north of there. But I just wanted to show you this because it's the best model and it really shows that clearing that we're going to see tomorrow as that cold front moves across. So we really have been anticipating this cold front. Certainly, it's going to bring rain. The most significant rain that we've likely seen, we saw some over the long weekend of September, but more so towards the beginning of August. And it will shift into the interior and drop the temperature throughout the day for those of you in the interior, bringing periods of rain and thunderstorms embedded in that. But look at this big wraparound of moisture into that BC Peace River area potentially. And that's what I'm really hoping for for that Hudson's Hope area in terms of rainfall, cooler conditions that could help some uh, a little bit. Now tomorrow we are going to see a few showers in that area, but more so it's towards the end of the day that the moisture will push in. South Coast, again, the majority of the rain earlier in the day as the cold front moves across. I am expecting a clearing throughout the day, especially for those of you in the interior, you'll see an improvement in terms of air quality. We get in behind it over the weekend, dry weather on the way, but a fair amount of lingering uh, cloud cover is expected on Saturday, but at least we'll be breathing clean air, which will be nice. And it doesn't look that bad as we head into next week, as you can well see there. Tonight's central windows weather window coming to you from Shirley. And I picked this because I actually didn't know Shirley the town in BC existed. For those of you who are wondering, it's between Souk and um, Jordan River on the west coast of Vancouver Island, just sort of north of Victoria. And uh, I like this shot as well because it shows the clearing trend, uh, you know, see the smoke on the left on there and clearing on the right. And that's what we're going to see over the next little while. Nice clearing. All right, guys, back to you. Beautifully, Be beautifully framed. Yeah, uh, that should be a poster. Mm -hmm. Thanks, beautiful. Christy. Thanks. Well, a lucky winner is getting her first look at her grand prize in Langley. Barb Bamford of Burnaby bought the winning ticket for the PE Prize Home. 
Her name was drawn at random Monday during the news hour. She won a 3,400 square foot craftsman home by Westmont Homes. It is three bedrooms, two and a half baths with a legal basement suite. It also comes equipped with an EV charger and eco-friendly electric heat pump. The PNE prize home is one of Barb's earliest memories as a child. Her parents frequently bought tickets. Yeah, that's what my mom was saying the other day that she can remember her and my dad when we first got married buying tickets for the, the home and listening. I think she said that used to, they used to broadcast like at 11 at night or something the last day of the fair. The grand prize package is worth more than $2.4 million. And yes, it is Barb Bamford, not Bob. No. All right, here's Squire with a look ahead to sports. All right, the uh, BC Lions have a great set of receivers, but they've had to catch balls from four different quarterbacks in their last four games. Uh, things are getting better every day, so it's difficult, but it's doable. Vernon Adams will be the Lions quarterback Saturday in Calgary after arriving a couple of weeks ago. Also tonight, boom wrestling explodes in Vancouver. Why this quirky show is quickly becoming a sellout. Consumers having issues with scammers, price gougers, corner cutters, con artists, or big business bullies. Help is here. Andrewa investigates consumer matters on Global News. Do or die, it was last night, and they did. I guess we'll get to that a little bit later. The Whitecaps, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, they had a very good second half. Big win over the LA Galaxy. We'll talk about that in a sec. It really is getting to the point where the BC Lions have had as many people playing the role of starting quarterbacks as actors have played the role of Batman in movies. If you think of Nathan Rourke as Michael Keaton, we are now Al Kilmer, uh, George Clooney, Brett Christian Bale, with Vernon Adams being the fourth starting quarterback for the Lions in four games. <laughs> The Lions have been forced to hit the reset button at the quarterback position, going from an MVP candidate in Nathan Rourke, who knew this offense inside and out, to a guy who was just starting to get a grasp on the playbook after arriving just two weeks ago. Vernon Adams Jr. has about five years CFL experience, mostly with the Alouettes, but coming to a new team mid-season and being thrust into the starters role is about as challenging as it gets in pro football. Each day getting a lot more comfortable, you know what I'm saying, um, getting a lot more reps this week and with me being able to start. So I'm just taking it day by day, stacking brick by brick and um, not trying to peak too early and just ready to have fun this weekend. You know, every quarterback's different. Uh, just the way the ball comes out, the, the velocity it's coming. Um, and, and those are things you learn over time. And uh, we're, we're starting to, to build that chemistry with Vernon. Um, things are getting better every day. So 
It's difficult, but it's doable. Adams did get a few snaps in his Lions debut last week in Montreal, but he's doing a crash course this week to start against the Stampeders on the road in Calgary. It's a daunting task. There are no shortcuts to getting a rapport with receivers or putting up the big numbers this offense produced in the first half of the season when they won eight of nine games. It's not going to happen overnight, but... We would definitely love to get back to those kinds of numbers, but we got to put the work in. It's going to be tough, but I think we got the guys that are, are willing and able to do it. Being professionals, we just have to come together and communicate uh, while we're on the field and just have fun, most of all. You know what I'm saying? We can't, we can't do it if we're not having fun, so just go out there and just play loose and uh, trust the process, trust our training. The good news is the Lions do have time to get this offense operating at a high level again. Seven more games before playoffs begin in November. Winning solves everything, you know what I'm saying? So uh, however we get it done, let's just get it done, and that's the goal. We talked about this yesterday, how the Whitecaps have the bad combination of not scoring enough goals to cover up for a defense that is allowing way too many goals. Well, last night, they did the opposite. They didn't allow any goals, and they scored three themselves in the second half for a 3-0 win over the LA Galaxy at BC Place. That keeps Vancouver's very slim playoff hopes alive, and it blew away some of the black clouds that were hovering over their games at BC Place. I think we needed it um, after, the, after the few weeks and the, the couple of months we've had. Um, we needed a... Not just a, the result like that, but I think the performance, especially the second half. The clean sheet, I'm very happy because if that's the key. The def I always say, guys, uh, the defensive organization is the key to win games. And today was the key to win games because when the other team becomes frustrated and, and they leave space, then we, can, we are able to, to create something and, and, and score. Roger Federer has announced he is retiring from competitive tennis after he plays in next week's Laver Cup in London. Federer hasn't been able to play much at all because of knee problems this year, but he leaves the game as one of its all-time greats. 20 Grand Slam wins, 103 singles titles. Not just a great player, but a great gentleman beloved by all in the tennis world. Here is part of his retirement announcement today. I am 41 years old. I've played more than 1,500 matches over 24 years. Tennis has treated me more generously than I ever would have dreamt and now I must recognize when it is time to end my competitive career. I consider myself one of the most fortunate people on earth. I was given a special talent to play tennis, and I did it at a level that I never imagined for much longer than I ever thought possible. So I want to thank you all from the bottom of my heart to everyone around the world who has helped make the dreams of a young Swiss ball kid come true. Finally, to the game of tennis, I love you and will never leave you. Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs at home against the L.A. Chargers. This is a good quarterback battle. Justin Herbert and Mahomes. This is Herbert throwing to Xander Horvath to make it 10-0 for the Chargers. But here's the magic of Mahomes. You think he's done. Maybe he'll just run out of bounds. Then he throws sidearm. Whoop. And it's a touchdown for Jarek McKinnon. It's 10-7 at the half. Jays and Rays today, it was Roberto Clemente day, and uh, Tampa Bay started nine Latin American players in honor of the great Roberto Clemente, and that's Yandy Diaz with a three-run homer, and they beat Toronto by the score of 11-0. Well, it looks like Seattle Seahawks defensive back Jamal Adams 
may need surgery to repair a torn quad tendon suffered on that play against Denver. If he does need surgery, that should end his season after just one quarter of football, which is a huge blow to Seattle's defense. And speaking of the Seahawks, it is Pete Carroll's 71st birthday today. And as you can tell by watching him on the sidelines, and as you'll be able to see in a few moments, watching him in the locker room after that win over Denver on Monday, his energy levels have not gone down, even though his age has gone up. Nobody! Ain't nobody! Ain't nobody thought we are going to win that game! Okay, we got to start doing that. It's actually how either at the beginning like, of a show or if the show goes well at the end of the show. I think that'd be a good thing to do. I want to do it like that. We need to do it before the show to get us going. That I might agree. tire me out. I'd rather do it at the end. Whatever Pete Carroll is eating or drinking, I want it. Like <laughs> he, he does he have. He is walking fast and a lot of steps. That's what he's doing. Yeah. That's true. He does walk very fast. He does everything very quickly. But he never, you know, even though the, the Seahawks lose, he never seems to have a bad day, Pete Carroll. You know, just, just like Bruce Boudreaux, he never seems to have a yep. bad day. Always good and guys. And Vanny. The, yeah, and Vanny. Good yep. guys at the microphone, always quick with a quip, always available, good sense of humor. We okay. like that. We like that. Yeah, we're in the media. We like that kind of thing. You know what else we like? Comedians ready to go to the mat to get laughs. The genius behind Boom Wrestling. Next. There's always a lot going on. Jordan Armstrong is standing by to tell us what's coming up on Global News at 11 tonight. Jordan. Chris, a day after video of the Sea to Sky gondola suspect was made public comes word of a lawsuit in the second act of sabotage. The gondola operator is suing an alarm company claiming technology installed after the first incident failed to work properly when the suspect returned a year later and cut the cable again. We'll have details tonight. Plus, we'll explain how a taxidermist inadvertently triggered a year-long poaching investigation near Shoeswap Lake. Chris. All right. Thanks very much, Jordan. Well, it is no secret that wrestling is as much about entertainment as it is about sport. Now a local comedy writer is using his talent to marry the two in a new series called Boom Wrestling. And as Jay Durant shows us on This Is BC, he's willing to go to the mat for his project. Boom! Pro Wrestling explodes. The promos made, the venue selected, and ring shopping is complete. Blue Ribbon Rings and Cages, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Alice speaking. Max Mitchell is using his experience producing comedy shows and applying it to his new wrestling series. We've recruited a bunch of uh, local comedians. They're involved as well, uh, so they help contribute to uh, the stories, and uh, they also are playing characters. I'm Brady Malibu, swimsuit model. I am the most handsome man in all of pro wrestling. Heroes and villains. Some tailor-made to specifically antagonize this audience. We've got a guy by the name of Uncle Daddy Tony Baroni, um, who is uh, uh, evil, evil. He represents everything that is terrible about Vancouver, cost of living, the construction on Broadway, everything. <laughs> 
It's a huge undertaking, but Mitchell's finally getting a chance to use his comedy background on a form of entertainment he fell in love with as an adult. It's a very misunderstood art form, and the people who perform it are probably the biggest underdogs in the performing arts world. Did we bite off more than we can chew? They've been working hard on the storylines for nine shows at the Legion on Vancouver's Commercial Drive. We have an entire first season of Boom Wrestling mapped out for the next nine months. That is not what we reversed. Offering a unique brand that might just win over some new fans in Metro Vancouver. All of the ups and downs, twists and turns, thrills and chills. Stories, characters, people that they love, action, all of that mixed into one. It's a soap opera. It's art, it's theater, it's professional wrestling, it's comedy. You're gonna love it. Jay Durant, Global News. And if you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC that people need to know about, don't forget to email your ideas to Jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. I wonder if they invite guest wrestlers. Ric Flair. That's a good one. Yeah. George the Animal Steel, although he's mm -hmm. dead now, but he was funny. Yeah. How um, about Galus versus Barnes in a cage match? Which cage are you going to be in? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. But the cage is only 5 feet 8 inches tall. Oh, that's going <laughs> to suck for me. I like my chances now. Yeah. I yeah. do too. My money's, my money's on, on you, Squire. <laughs> hey. All right, uh, Christy, final mm -hmm. word on weather. Yeah, so I just want to point out you are certainly seeing a bit of a clearing right now, well anticipated, and we are going to see even more of an improvement as we head into tomorrow. But cold front bringing rain across our region, and it is going to be chillier tomorrow as well, but it clears out in time for the weekend. Sounds Perfect good. timing. Yeah, all right. Thanks very much, Christy, and thanks for watching, everyone. Have a great night. Good night, all.